Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. Hi, I'm Dana. I'm a compulsive overeater from Santa Rosa visiting, thanks to Michelle. And I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit ill at ease. (laughs) Um, she said the focus was on step nine and I went into teacher mode and did all my research and I really don't want to be in teaching mode. (laughs) I want to be in OA mode, but it's, it's pretty funny when you start trying, well, you're supposed to talk about step nine. Um, I'm going to talk about step nine, but I think I'm probably going to get there in a roundabout way. Um, but I would just like to say that when I first came into program, I heard step nine and I, the only thing scarier than step nine was step five, but I also decided that I was going to start acting in a way that I didn't have to make any more amends, which sort of worked. And because I didn't want to have to make any amends period. And I knew I already had, I didn't want to add to the list that I had when I came in put it that way. (laughs) So I don't know how the rest of you reacted to hearing step nine, but terrifying when you come into program, you hear these steps of things you have to do. And as I've been told all through the years, there is a reason for the order. So if you're only on step one, don't panic by step nine, it won't seem quite as terrifying. Um, I have with luck and good health, I will be in OA for 38 years in the middle of October. Of those 38, 25, first 25, I had abstinence, and then I played for two years, and I now have six years of abstinence. So I have, <laughs> I, I sort of, I did not go out. I stayed in program. I did every single thing I had done the day before I went out, except that I had been in program 25 years. I had uh, 25 years of abstinence. At that date, I turned 75. And I said, I'm not gonna leave program, but I'm gonna eat what I want to eat. And that actually, I was thinking about it, that actually worked for a while because it was a very slow progression. And I probably had no more than a week of actual active acting out. And that means eating everything that I wanted. And then it took me another nine months going that way of a few days here and there of abstinence until finally actually Labor Day. So Labor Day is my, my new birthday. All of a sudden, those of you who've been in program a while know how that works. All of a sudden, I was back to eating my food plan and it's like, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anyway, in that time, I've most of the time maintained a 50 pound weight loss. I gained 10 to 20 pounds in the two years. And the minute I stopped eating all that crap, (laughs) the weight again fell off. So I just wanna tell my um, eating history, pretty much I'm a grazer. Uh, Given my choice, I would start eating and not stop. Um, And so when I came into program, I heard somebody talk about three meals a day and nothing in between. So I said, okay, that sounds like what needs to be done here. And I knew I had to add no seconds because I could make a meal last quite a long time. And my specialty was casseroles. So you give me a casserole and I can just keep dipping into that forever. And that I've been pretty much relieved of that. The other thing, when I came into program, I decided not to drink my calories. So I don't really eat anything that 
or drink anything that has calories. That includes soup because they're all invisible. They're sort of like the Diet Coke Sunday thing. You know, you have a Diet Coke cancels that, the ice cream. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm just going to say, um, I don't remember who the speaker was. We had a speaker at a meeting and they talked about why they, they had looked at why they ate. And I do not remember why this person ate. It kicked me into process. And I said to myself, well, why do I eat? Why, why did I start overeating? Because I don't think I ever much had a time that I didn't overeat or want to overeat. Um, and in my own personal searching, I had discovered, I really think, and I'm going to generalize to people, that most of us use food as a means of control from the time we're babies. Because I, I, I just have this picture in my mind of every baby I've ever seen going, and all of us adults open the train in the tunnel, the airport, whatever, trying to get kids to eat. And these little babies who have no control over anything, just clamp their mouths shut, spit the food out, knock the food off the table, etc. And that's control. So I needed to have control. But I've now added another thing to it, and this is going to evolve into importance in step nine. This person's talking about why people, why started to overeat. I realized it was a trust issue. And it went way back to when I, again, was a baby. Um, and I decided evidently at a very, very young age that I couldn't trust anybody. And the only way really to endure life in that condition was to eat and I could trust food because I think all of you know trust food even overeating of some sort feels really good for a while there's I could go out and have a number of things they'd feel really good for the first five minutes until the guilt and the shame and the oh my god and the overfull and all all the rest of that fell in so I really think that from a very early on I what, what happened in my family is I was an expression of hope after my dad recovered, was in remission from brain cancer. And it, I was born in September, he, the remission disappeared and he died in May. So I know just from being a mother that that household had to be in absolute chaos when I was a baby. I had the feeling of being a basketball, being passed from people to people to people to people because there were people helping out, but my mom, obviously, I mean, I would have been distraught. She had to have been distraught. And the, fa you know, the family was in chaos. And that's how I think I created order out of the unreliability of people, the, un the, the fact that I couldn't trust anybody. And that went on to be really, um, I'm gonna say exacerbated in my family because my family did not believe in feelings. So if I expressed a feeling, I was told I was wrong or I was made fun of, or I was ashamed for it. Or if I expressed myself in a pretty, anyway, those three things came out. And I still do not like to be teased. You tease me, I'm just gonna get really angry and hurt pretty fast because it was, it was a means of um, control in my family. I also was a generation where people didn't have feelings. I just want you to know, I mean, I grew up in the, in the Doris Day, um, you know, the early, <laughs> I, I was born in 39. So I'm, I'm not only got, went through the war, which is an untrusty uh, 
time and, and certainly more chaos, but then the pointy bras and weren't supposed to be able to move the move your hips and women were not sexy. The whole whole nine yards. There was so much restriction in my generation. People who are a little bit older are laughing. I think that's good. Thank you. <laughs> Anyway, it just shocked the dickens out of me when I realized that basically I trusted, and this is like three weeks ago, folks, I trusted nobody. I did and do trust my higher power. And I guess that's been a life-saving thing for me to go through 37 years in this program and suddenly wake up and realize that I really couldn't say what I think to anybody because I didn't trust what I would get back from them. So I've been in a program a long time and my favorite tools of this program are steps six and seven. I said, okay, God, I want to stop being like that. I don't want to be this kind of person. Can you please stop me from, I guess, please help me to open up and be vulnerable and share my story. Well, those of you who know this program will know that that works. <laughs> so all of a sudden I'm telling people the truth. And the, the grace and blessing of this program is that the people I have around me do not tease me, do not shame me, uh, do not tell me I'm wrong. It's just like going to a meeting. We say what we think and nobody is going to say back, no, you're wrong. You can't, you can't eat that food. I had a newcomer call me the other day and I started coughing. And I said, oh, I have a piece of rice in my throat. She said, you eat rice? I was like, well, yeah. <laughs> I have a problem with brown rice. I love brown rice. Anyway, what does that have to do with the steps? And I, anyway, the word trust in, took me to the dictionary and it took me to religious sites. This morning I actually asked, what is the difference between trust and faith? And evidently faith comes first. Faith is a belief and trust is acting on that belief. And that sure sounds to me like this 12-step program because and I decided there's another word that comes in because I went to my first meeting with hope, a degree of skepticism, but hope that maybe this would work when all the other things I'd done hadn't. So that's, I came into step one and I took a huge leap of trust. I said, I'm powerless over food. My life is manageable, but I thought powerless over food. But step two gave me a belief that I could believe in a power greater than myself and step three asks me to trust, asks me to trust that this power that I believe in actually can take care of me. Because that's all it asks for is please take care of me. So then again, I take another leap of trust, of action, of faith that I will survive step four. Because my gosh, who wants to look at themselves? But I did it. And the step that scared the vegetators out of me was step five, as you can see, because I had nobody that I trusted to give step five to. I wouldn't certainly give it to my husband. I wouldn't give, I had two or three friends of whom I would never have told the truth of who I was. I did not go to church, did not have a therapist at the time, but I went to meetings and believe it or not, six weeks, eight weeks into meetings, I met a woman who over the course of time, I realized she was a someone I could give my fourth step to. I was like, so I again, say folks, there's a reason for the order. And I kept hearing that because I say, oh my God, I'm going to do a fifth step. I can't do a fifth step. I'm going to flunk this program. So step six and seven didn't mean all that much to me. It's like in the big book, 
the step six takes like three sentences. So I just said, okay, God, you know, take this. And step seven, okay, God takes. I had no idea what I was doing on that one. But again, I had faith and trust because huge globs of major things got taken away. And that increased my trust. I'm a, I'm a God tester. I don't know if you are. When I came into program or heard people say, this works. You know, if you have, I'm using, I use God as a huge generalization. Please fill in the blank on God. And um, I said, they say that you can take care of this. Prove it. That's pretty much my attitude towards my higher power still is to a huge degree. If, if you want me to stop this, I want to stop this behavior. I want to stop eating the bum, bum, bum. I want to st st stop wanting food at three o'clock in the afternoon, whatever. Please stop me. I've learned I have to say I want. And I've learned to say stop. I don't say it in negative terms. I don't want to do this anymore. So I want to stop doing this. Please stop me. That's seven, six and seven to me. And my trust grew because, dang it, every time I asked for that, I got it. So it just kept increasing my faith, which then increased my, my willingness to take action on that faith and trust that I could take the next step. So to me, step eight is no biggie. You know, you're just making a list. I don't, don't have to do anything about making that list. I'm supposedly it got some humility, but step nine. Oy. <laughs> I, I, grew up, I grew up in Southern California, so I, I lapsed back into my environment. Um, step nine asks you to go and make amends to people. Holy Toledo, it's bad enough admitting that I'm like that, but then going and saying I'm sorry. And then the book says that saying I'm sorry is not enough. It's like, what? So I had, that took me to the dictionary. I'm going to look at my notes here. Um, to amend is to put right, change, or modify for the better. So my job was to change. To put right, I guess that's the hard part, is talking to somebody and say, I did that, and I'm so sorry. And I never, 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 never do it again. <laughs> that was a song in my family. I'm so sorry. I never, <laughs> I'll never, never do it again. Um, and then it tells, I was looking at the AA 12 and 12, and it says we have to have good judgment, a sense of timing, courage, and prudence. Holy mackerel, it's talking me to be a, a saint here before I even go about it because I'm not supposed to harm anybody. I can't say somebody, I heard somebody say, I'm not allowed to use the but word, but. I'm sorry I did that to you, but you did it first. <laughs> not allowed in this program. It's all about me. I can use I statements. I avoid the word you. And I take responsibility for my actions without but blaming somebody else. I mean, what kind of a step is that? <laughs> it sure asks a lot of us. Um, oh, good. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm just going to be a little bit teacherish. It was fun. I was looking at, uh, in that book, it says it was classes of amends. Those you make now. Those you make later. Those you make never. And those you do can't possibly possibly do in person, and those you write a letter, do some sort of ritual for. And of course, when I first read it, I wanted to say, okay, later and never. 
But when, again, I, I wrote down, um, what I say? <laughs> We're supposed to go to any lengths and do no harm. And man, it's, they're asking for a personality change with the guys who wrote these stuff. That bill, that's, a, that's asking a lot of me to be prudent, to be wise, to use discretion, to not hurt anybody else, to take full responsibility. Man, this is one heck of a step. And, and I, I don't think I had looked at it that way before. For me, it was just, okay, I have this list of men's. I call these people, I write these letters and say, I'm sorry. But the bottom line of it is to me is the trust that I will be all right. And I think it's the lovely order of these steps is that they start us off with a belief that we're taken care of. They, we ask you, ask, I ask myself to trust that, that if I ask God to take care of me, I will be taken care of me. And then no matter how bad or awful it is, and let me tell you, when you re read the AA book and even our book, people are have the chance of going to jail, have to owe huge amounts of money. That is a huge, huge leap of trust to go out there and say, I'm sorry. I wish I hadn't done this. Here's the money to pay you back. Here, I'm going to stop doing that again. I have the joke is that my family finally said, please stop apologizing. Because the longer I was in program, the more I could see the things I had done to my kids either by language to them or behavior to them, or just the fact that I was not available because I was in the food while they were kids. And I'd remembered, <laughs> mom, it's enough. We got it. We're doing fine. No more apologizing. So <laughs> I hope that what you heard from me is I just have this enormous faith and trust in a higher power. And I did not come in with that. I knew that I was supported by a higher power, but I did not know the extent. And I think that's the joy of this program is that I learned that from you all. That didn't just come down through the ether. That's 37 years of listening to you all share, 37 years of people talking about the miracles of some of their ninth steps. Those of you who've been around have heard amazing stories about how people suddenly came into their lives at the grocery store or something weird and made their amends. And I made one amends to a friend. She said, I was going to make an amends to you for that, but I thought it was going to do so would harm you. So we both healed a thing up together. So I feel like I've rambled on it. I hope it made sense. This program is amazing. And I encourage you to have the courage to take that first step that you're powerless over food. I am powerless over food. 37 years later, the tiger is walking next to me, just waiting for me to go have a bite of something. I, I joked to friends last night, I don't eat dairy, hardly eat dairy anymore. And I, I was at the grocery store and this hunk of cheese yelled at me, take me, take me, take me home. It's like Alice in Wonderland, you know? And it's like, thank you. It's a little voice that you don't eat cheese. And I walked on by. But that is a miracle, this program. That little, number one, that little voice told me I don't eat cheese and I follow directions. That's my job. That's my trust is take my belief, listen and act on it and follow directions. And it is not easy. 
but I'm supported by all of you who are spending an early Saturday holiday morning here on Zoom <laughs> talking about food and recovery in step nine. So thank you very much. I love you all. Thank you for asking me, Michelle.